So uh, today's scripture is a bit of a downer, yeah, everything being dismantled. Um, and one of the first things that came to my mind uh, was actually a very vivid memory that I have of the first time I was called out publicly for putting my foot in my mouth. Been there? Um, I was in an introduction to ethics course my freshman year of college, and I had been tasked with presenting my findings in an article to the class. The article was about rates of poverty generally, but specifically comparing white Americans to black Americans. And because I was being lazy and didn't really understand what I was doing, I spoke in more generalizing terms than the article itself did. And because of that, my presentation was unintentionally racist and built on some pretty bad stereotypes. Um, and after class, two of my classmates, a Latina woman and an African-American man, both my age, they confronted me with their own life experience and of their experience of the presentation that I offered and the generalizations that I had made in it. It was awful. Just the worst. It really was one of the worst moments of my life up to that point, which tells you how easy my life had been, but um, I'm a people pleaser, generally speaking, so it was very hard for me to hear and take in that I had said anything that might have hurt other people. But that confrontation, for as painful as it was, it made me rethink a lot of my assumptions and a lot of the ways that I interact with the world. It made me rethink the way I prepare for presentations, one. It made me rethink the way that I let sound bites and stereotypes live in my head as though they were true. And it made me way more interested in the experiences of other people. Being confronted like that was really hard for me, but it led me through a process of renewal. If my friends hadn't confronted me about my unintended racism and my assumptions built into it, I'm sure that I would still be operating from those assumptions today. Incorrect beliefs, harmful assumptions, and stereotypes they all need to be transformed. They need to be dismantled. And it takes some awkward conversation. It takes some hard confrontation. It takes some, some confession, and more importantly than any of those, I think it takes some humility to acknowledge that maybe what I thought was wrong. In the Hebrew portion of the Bible, there's a whole section that's just prophets. There's 12 minor prophets and two or three major prophets, and among those you see two that are particularly important today. When Amos, this one prophet, saw the ways that the religious and political leadership had corrupted their faith to accommodate injustice that continued to live in the community, he spoke on behalf of God saying, I hate and I despise your festivals. The corruption of leadership had gotten so bad that their worship services no longer brought joy to God. And then a few years later, a couple decades later, um, after another prophet named Micah laid out all of God's judgments for the corruption and the harmful practices of the religious community, he asked a rhetorical question, what does the Lord require of you? And he answers it himself, to seek justice, to love kindness, and to walk 
humbly with God. That's it. Humility, kindness, and a pursuit of justice. Those three things. We have a weekly Bible study that's been going on for a while, and we've been reading a lot in the Hebrew Scripture about the corruption of religious communities and the leadership of the chosen people. The people who were meant to be a beacon of hope to the world and all of the nations because of their faithfulness and focus on God had become something completely different. They instead devoted themselves to the pursuit of money, sex, and power until God became just an afterthought. So the prophets in scripture articulate through some poetic imagery and stunning metaphors, some of them are terrifying, they predict the imminent catastrophe of collapse in the kingdom and the destruction of all of their homes. It's not great news. It's an indictment of corruption among leadership and apathy among the people. This is why the prophets are so hard to read, because they are so critical. They foresee incredible violence. They point towards uncomfortable judgments of society, and they call us to a better and more faithful life. They feel judgmental and aggressive, but that's because they are judgmental and aggressive. So a lot of the times we just skip past them. But it's hard to talk about Jesus' prediction of the temple being torn apart without also understanding some of what the prophets that we want to skip over so often have to say about leadership too. Jesus is critiquing the role of religious customs in a faithful society just like the prophets like Amos and Micah before him. Again, through Amos, God tells the people, I hate and despise your religious festivals. And then through Micah, God tells the people about a requirement that isn't being fulfilled, the reason for that hatred. I see all shifting around. This is fun. (laughs) Through Micah, God tells the people to seek justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly. Because the the problem still persists, right? Just before Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple and a crazy amount of suffering for all of his followers, he draws the disciples' attention to the inner working of the temple itself. I want to read just seven verses that come right before what HP read for us a moment ago. These are just the seven verses right before. In the presence of all the people, Jesus said to his disciples, watch out for legal experts. They like to walk around in long robes. They love being greeted with honor in the market. They long for the place of honor in synagogues and at banquets. They are the ones who cheat widows out of their homes. And to show off, they say long prayers. They will be judged most harshly. And then looking up, Jesus saw rich people throwing their gifts into the collection box for the temple treasurer. He also saw a poor widow throw in two small copper coins worth about a penny. And he said, I assure you that this poor widow has put in more than all of them. All of them are giving out of their spare change, but she from her hopeless poverty has given everything she has had to live on. Too often we read that and say, 
Wow, that widow sure is a woman of faith. That's not the point. The temple was meant to be a beacon of hope for the people. It was never meant to be a tool used to mistreat the poorest and the weakest among the community. It wasn't meant to be a place of human power over others. It was meant to be a place of hope. The widow should have never had to give her last dollars to this temple where so much richness and wealth already existed. Jesus sees the corruption in the same way that all of the other prophets before him did, and he predicts the same outcome, imminent destruction and a season of chaos, pain, and death. And that's the good news. It's good news because the people aren't being destroyed. The corruption is being destroyed. And it's painful, and it's chaotic, and it feels like everything is coming apart at the seams, but it leads to new life. It's the story of conversion. It's the story of rebirth. Our new lives only start after we've experienced transformation. First, we have to acknowledge our capacity to mess up because we all have it. We have to acknowledge that we can't escape those habits that have been built up without help, even sometimes accepting confrontation. And then we have to find accountability partners who hold us to the standard that God sets in our lives. And then, only then, we start making hard changes. In the church, we use religious language that's been corrupted in its own right, but that's what confession and repentance is. We put our lives into God's hands, we commit to a local faith community in a vulnerable way, and begin the process of reordering our lives after the love of God. And the reality is, that process sucks. It isn't fun to confront bad habits It isn't fun to confront assumptions that we've held comfortably for our whole lives. It is painful. It is maddening. It has real potential in unhealthy communities to instill shame when the changes don't come easily. But the good news of this gospel story is that there is light at the end of the tunnel. There's light on the other side of transformation. If we can commit to one another in our community to pursuing God's kingdom together, there is real and genuine hope for something better than what exists now. But it means letting the temple crumble around us. It means letting go of the things that look nice or the things that feel safe in pursuit of something of greater depth. 
Jesus witnesses the corruption of nice-looking best intentions and predicts that it will be destroyed, dismantled, not one stone would be left on another. And for those who are genuinely faithful to the work of dismantling corruption with Christ, you will probably be rejected, potentially abused or arrested, because you stand opposed to the corruption prevalent in society. And that is the good news. That's only half of it. We're meant to stand for the kingdom of God, even if it means we're mistreated because of it. We're meant to point towards the corruption of the world. We're meant to endure the dismantling of everything we know now because there is something new and better on the horizon where every person has the capability to thrive. That's it. And in order for every person to thrive, structures need to come down. A space at the table needs to be made. The safety net has to be shared. The glass ceiling needs to be shattered. This is hard news to hear for those of us who've been comfortable in the structures that exist. But it is great news for anyone who has been abused, arrested, or rejected by the power of the church or the power of the nation that we live in. And it is the gospel for us all. The kingdom of God is coming. Corruption will be cleansed. And new life will spring up. If we can hold fast, even when it gets hard, a fresh start will come. It might feel like the earth is shaking loose from its foundation. It might feel like the end is imminent. But if we hold fast with one another in our pursuit of God's love, something new will come. And not only will it come, we'll have a part in crafting it into existence. That's the good news. Everything must change. Everything will change. It will be hard but it will be worth it. Thanks be to God. Amen.